For months, Democrats have parroted the phrase, the big lie, to refer to any questioning of the circumstances surrounding the 2020 election. They, it's as though they got a sheet of paper. They said, this is the phrase. We've all got to use it consistently for the next six months. The big lie, the big lie, the big lie. So the big lie is unfortunately alive and well in the fever swamps of the far right. Well, on this date, January 10th, 2019, the big lie of the Trump presidency collapsed. But just as the president spent months spreading his big lie of the election. After months of pushing Donald Trump's big lie, the election was rigged against him. No, they're not special. And that's part of the big lie that the president's been telling. The big lie, the big lie, the big lie. The big lie is a phrase associated with Hitler. So this is just an extension of calling Donald Trump a Nazi or calling him Hitler. Ironically though, because <laughs> the libs, they know like a very little bit about history, but they don't read past the first two sentences. Ironically, the phrase was actually used by Hitler in Mein Kampf to refer to something that he was accusing the Jews of doing. That is neither here nor there. Now, however, a Republican leader in the House of Representatives is parroting the same phrase in the same sense. With Republicans like that, who needs Democrats? How much longer will we need to tolerate all these big liars? I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from House N Hunter 24, who says, hey Michael, Listening to you and Ben saved me from thinking that this country treats me any less because I'm a woman. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, toots. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. That's very, that's very nice of you. I'm pleased to hear that. Uh, John Wayne had a line about this many decades ago, which is he was responding to the hysteria of the second wave feminists who said we lived in a patriarchy. And he said, that's insane. America has always been a matriarchy. It always has. We defer to women. Women run the home. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. We elevate women. This was always the case in America. This was the case broadly in the West and in the Anglosphere in particular. And it has become less and less so each day. Each day that proceeds, particularly since the tumult of the 1960s, since feminism and women's liberation, the country has actually gotten worse and worse and worse for women. You can even see this, not that I put great stock into social scientific surveys, but you can see this in both absolute terms and in relative terms to the happiness of men. Women have gotten less and less happy every single year because now we don't value any womanly virtues and we treat women as though they're no different from men in any way. Uh, and we, we disregard uh, many of their finest qualities. So yes, I'm glad that we have helped you to see that we value women. But unfortunately, if the libs have their way, we will not value women for very long. Got to be prepared for that. Best way to be prepared, ready wise. Now is a better time than ever to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. Ready wise has many options such as emergency meals, freeze dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on the go nutrition, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online and have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. Do not put yourself in a situation when you need food during an emergency and you don't have it. You need to be prepared today. If the last 18 months has not taught you to be prepared, I don't know what will. ReadyWise makes it so easy. All you need is just some water. The water doesn't even need to be hot. And in some cases, you can pour the water right in the bag. So you don't even need additional supplies. Just a great way to get peace of mind this week. My listeners can get 10% off at readywise.com when entering Knowles 10 at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. Readywise is a 30-day, no questions asked return policy. There is no risk in taking the initiative to get you and your family prepared today. That is readywise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Knowles 10 to get 10% off. So you've heard this stupid phrase, the big lie. It's just a, another clumsy extension of the libs crying that Donald Trump is literally Hitler. And so they all use it and they all get the exact same sheet of talking points and they don't have an original idea in their head. President Trump in response to this appropriated the phrase. He said, 20, the 2020 election is the real big lie. That, that was his, the gist of his press statement. 
Uh, President Trump has done this before. You'll remember the phrase fake news, which is now totally associated with Trump, actually started as a left-wing attack on Trump. It actually was an attack on us in 2016. The Daily Wire was listed on a little Google doc that was going around with other news sites that the left was saying constituted fake news. And we, they, people shouldn't read us and people shouldn't pay any attention to us. And you've heard, oh yes, all the right-wing news outlets, they're totally fake news. So Donald Trump appropriated that phrase and said, actually, CNN is fake news. And he was so effective at that. And it, it rang so true that now when you think of fake news, the first thing that pops into your head is probably going to be CNN. So you get the dumb line, you get Trump appropriating it. And then Liz Cheney comes out. Liz Cheney, who is a leader in the House of Representatives. She's a sort of minor leader, but she runs the Republican caucus there. But she's not really a Republican. She's certainly not a conservative, and she seems to spend most of her time attacking fellow Republicans and agreeing with Democrats. Liz Cheney is parroting this phrase. She's saying that anyone who parrots Trump's big lie by in any way raising any questions about the 2020 election, which we all have to admit had a lot of irregularities, just look at Pennsylvania, the way that the election was conducted in Pennsylvania was in direct violation of the state constitution. No one's allowed to say that anymore. If you in any way bring that up, then you're participating in the big lie. You're basically no different than Adolf Hitler, darn it. And quote, you're poisoning our democratic system. I tried to be fair to Liz Cheney. I tried to be warm, welcoming, a big tent party supporter that says, look, people might have their disagreements on Trump. We got to come together. This woman's got to go. This woman has got to go. She is absolute poison to the Republican Party. All she does is give aid and comfort to the Democrats. All she does is attack the Republicans. She, she won't support the party at all. It, it is part of the broader problem of the what you might call the neoconservatives or the war hawk former Dems in the three legs of the post-war Cold War conservative movement. The conservative movement from the end of World War II until the fall of the Berlin Wall consisted of what you'd call fusionism. Th the three-legged stool. You had the traditionalists and the religious right, different, but they kind of blur together a little bit. You had the economic libertarians and you had the neocons. You had the, the war hawk, blue dog Democrats who wanted to stop the Soviet Union's imperial ambitions. And that worked all well and good for the Cold War. Obviously, we won the Cold War. But the economic priorities of the libertarians dominated, and the two other groups went along with it. The foreign policy priorities of the neoconservatives especially dominated, particularly after the fall of the Berlin Wall, as that coalition hobbled along. The other two groups more or less went along with it. But the traditional conservatives never got anything. <laughs> we got very, very little out of it. And by the way, when the traditional conservatives started to become a little bit ascendant again, notably during the presidency of Donald Trump, what happened? The neocons ran away. They, they abandoned the three-legged stool. So I'm talking about people like Bill Kristol. I'm talking about people like Liz Cheney. I'm talking about people who, who were more from the George Bush wing, George W. Bush wing of the Republican Party. People who were more for the bomb the Middle East wing of the Republican Party. They just jumped ship. The squishy types left. And so just as a matter of party politics, you can't go on in that coalition. It's, it's the, the same problem that you see when a nation descends into civil war. The only way self-government works is if people agree to continue to participate even when you lose on one particular issue. If, a, if this is why the right of secession is incoherent in a, in a, republic such as ours. If you can just secede when you don't get your own way, then there is no self-government because self-government is predicated on the idea that we're going to persuade one another. And sometimes I'm going to get my way and sometimes you're going to get your way, but we're still going to remain a country because that's the only way that we can, that we can preserve even, even the sort of debate and, and free government that we're talking about. So if, if Liz Cheney is, she keeps showing us her cards and so many other of her fellow travelers keep showing her cards, then they can't be part of the conservative movement. Because they're, they're not willing to play ball. They're, just, they're only willing to either dominate the movement or help the Dems. And that's it. So fine. If she wants to leave, let her leave. But she sure, certainly shouldn't be in leadership. And frankly, I'm not convinced she should be in the House of Representatives either. Talking about big lies, big, big lies. What is the biggest lie dominating our politics today? 
Is it that maybe there was something a little weird about the 2020 election? You know, just look at the way the thing was conducted in various states, notably Pennsylvania. No, no. The biggest lie is the racial grievance politics. That's the biggest. It's the one that dominates everything. It's the lie that burned the country to the ground last year. It's the lie that permits legal racial discrimination in the form of affirmative action against whites and Asians and in favor of blacks and Hispanics. It's the lie that persistently tries to rip America apart and that is exploited by very cynical people, almost exclusively on the left, to rip America apart. It's the lie that that uh, our, our nation's enemies have always tried to exploit because there is a fault line here, right? I'm not denying that there have been racial issues in the country, but the lie is that America is fundamentally evil, bigoted. We can never in any way overcome racial issues and that America is a white supremacist country. It's just not true. Al Sharpton said it the other day. Al Sharpton was present at funeral services for a man who was killed in an officer-involved killing. These are extraordinarily rare events in the United States. And in cases where the killing was not justified, they, they basically do not exist. There are very, very few events where the shooting is not, not justified. So Al Sharpton's there and he says, America is a racist country. Now, everybody in America is not racist. But are you talking about whether the practice of America is racist or the people? Because the practice of America was built on racism. It was against the law for us to read and write. It was against the law for us to marry. It was against the law for us to name our children after us. We were brought here to serve and never get paid. That's how the country was built. What do you mean America is not racist? America was started off racism. Al Sharpton is such an odious figure in politics. He's such a leech. He's such a parasite. He, he launched his career on a hoax, on the Tawana Brawley hoax. He encouraged the riots in Crown Heights. He's a liar. He's a thug. He's an extortion artist who, who shakes down corporate America and shakes down individuals to fund his ridiculous slush fund. He's just such a horrific character in American politics. And he's not that intelligent. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like to play? He is very clever. He's very shrewd. He's He's very good at politics, obviously. He's, he's managed to make it a long time in politics without, or a long time in his professional life without ever producing anything. He's made it very far in his career and, and worn very fancy suits and flown around on very fancy private jets without ever really doing anything other than extorting money from people on this premise of racial grievance. But what is he saying? He's saying, you're saying America's not racist? What are you talking about? We had slavery. Yeah, so did every civilization ever in the history of the world, and many still do. We, we probably had slavery in this country <laughs> for less time than basically any other place on earth. What do you mean America's not racist? Slaves were brought here. Right. Yep. That's true. That was a long time ago. And uh, by the way, the first officially declared owner of a slave in the American slave system was a black guy. He was The first slave owner was a black guy. Isn't that weird? That's a weird thing. I'm not saying that that takes away from the racial element, uh, the racial character that would develop in American slavery. But the guy's name was Anthony Johnson and he was declared the slave owner of John Kaser. And actually neighbors were very concerned about this poor man who was supposed to be an indentured servant and get out. And then this guy, Anthony Johnson, who was a black Angolan, went to the court and had this guy, John Kaser, declared a slave for life. That's just a weird aspect. Okay. That's a strange thing. There's the slavery all over the world. Today, what are we talking about though? What he, what, what Al Sharpton is trying to do is exploit one blip in the course of history to rip the country apart today. And the thing is, as a political matter, he's got a little bit of a point that conservatives don't always acknowledge. But what he is doing right now, absolutely disgusting and a lie. No surprise whatsoever. A lot of, you know, a lot of companies will lie to you. They'll tell you they're giving you the best price, but they're not. You know who is? Rock Auto. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Like, let's say for instance, this is just, I'm just going to be spitballing here. You need a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a, uh, I don't know, a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. And it costs you, 
let's say $354 at the big chain store. That is the kind of thing that you could get at Rock Auto for $217. RockAuto.com. The catalog is so unique, remarkably easy to navigate, so simple even I can do it. Head on over. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, every part that you will ever need for your car or truck. Right now, you can head to rockauto.com, see all those parts available, and then here's what you got to do. This is perhaps most important. You have to write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they will know that we sent you. That is rockauto.com. The big lie, to use a popular phrase, that America is a vicious, awful, racist place and that our justice system is totally rotten. The whole country is rotten. And therefore the police who are the physical representation of law and order and our whole sense of justice in this country, therefore they are all evil. This pervades the country such that people now feel that they have the right to scream and yell at the cops and interfere in their jobs. I was just going through the Jacksonville airport the other day. I was fly- just two days ago. I was flying back from Jacksonville and police were arresting some crazy lunatic who was making a big nuisance of himself and certainly should have been arrested. And, but he was a black guy. Now, some of the cops were black too. So it's not like this was a a white supremacist racially split. No, it's, there was a black guy being arrested as he should have been because he was making a nuisance of himself in the airport. And what happens? A group of people crowds around and starts filming everything and starts screaming at the cops, tells the cops, you don't need to hold him like that. What does this, what does this person know? about how the cops need to hold people to arrest them. Starts screaming, starts yelling. Well, we got an incident like this on video just the other day. Cop pulls a woman over because she's using her cell phone while she's driving. And the woman launches a vile stream of invective at the cop. Yes, you are, ma'am. Good morning. Which is, and the speed limit is 40, and I was going 38, so why are you harassing me? You are correct. I pulled you over because... Because you're a murderer. Because... Uh, Yes, I started to record because you're a murderer. You can't be on your cell phone while you're driving. I was on my phone. I was recording you because you scared me. You can't use your cell phone while you're recording. I can record you. May I have your driver's license? it's, It's at my apartment. What's your apartment? It's at my home. I'm just taking my son to his. Do you therapy. have a, Do you have your driver's license? I it, I mistakenly left it at home. Do you have a picture of your driver's license? Yes, I do. May I have it? And can you call your supervisor, please? I, I already did. He's on his way. Good, because you're a murderer. Okay. And so you're giving me a cell phone ticket? Is that why you're harassing me? not harassment. Yeah. I, I am enforcing the law. I have a right to and record the police when they're harassing me. By all means, but you can't do it while you're driving. I was, I can, I wasn't, doesn't texting or none of that. Do you have, and you had that you picture? you scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, you're, that's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. Does this woman sound like she's afraid that she's going to be murdered? No, I don't, I don't think she sounds afraid of anything. I don't think she even sounds afraid that she's going to get a ticket because she's playing the race card and she knows that this is a lie. She knows it's a lie that the cop is a murderer because if she really thought the cop was a murderer, she'd be crying and shaking in her car and she, she wouldn't be screaming at him and, and acting as though everything's going to go just fine for her as long as she keeps playing that race card. She knows it's a lie, but it's a lie to her advantage. And it's a lie that's been incentivized all around the country and the culture. So she's going to keep doing it. This is also a point that I think must be made. You hear a lot, particularly from BLM, that the cops target black people, right? That's, that's one of the main contentions of BLM. And I can, I think a lot of the people who are pushing that idea are just being dishonest and trying to achieve radical political ends. But there are, I bet, people who believe that because everyone hates dealing with the cops. Everyone, I've been pulled over so many times in my life because on occasion I've driven a little faster than the speed limit. Okay. And sometimes maybe I've rolled through a stop sign. And on one occasion, I actually didn't do anything wrong. The cop was wrong about the speed limit on a, on a road in New York. This actually happened. I know everyone thinks they're always right, but I'll fully admit I've been wrong many times that I've been pulled over or that I've seen the speed limit or whatever. There was one time I was actually right and the cop was a big jerk to me. And if I had been steeped in this culture where I was told the cops are out to get you, they're out to murder you because of the color of your skin, I could see a world in which I'd say, you did this to me because of the way I look. You, but no, cops are just out there enforcing the law. No one likes getting a ticket. And sometimes the cops get it wrong. 
Not a lot. Very rarely do the cops get it wrong, but that's what happens. So, so far in this, in this video, you could chalk this up to this woman being incredibly stupid and irresponsible, right? And she's saying, I can, you know, I'm going to try to get out. I know I was using my phone, but I'm going to try to get out of it by saying I was recording him because I'm afraid he's a murderer. Okay. That's okay. Fine. She's stupid. She's irresponsible. But then in the next frame, you see that this woman knows exactly what she's doing. And I'm perfectly legal and I'm a teacher. So there. Congratulations. You're a murderer. What's your last name? I can't see that there. Well, here you go, Stop shaking. Zoom in on that for me, No, because you're scaring me. You're threatening to kill me and my son. Can you give me the iPad, Okay. I'll tell you what, you keep smiling, you're on camera. You're you're trying to threaten to kill me. I'm not smiling, you're the one who's Hold that still, I can't see that. Uh, Is this your car? Yes, it is. And you're trying to say I stole my own car because you're jealous? Yeah, I don't think so. You wait for me right here, okay? You're jealous. All you need to do is just get your signature. He's only citing you for using your cell phone while you're driving. That's it. There you go, ma'am. Sign inside for the red box a, right there. For him being a Mexican racist. What is that name? Gas. Sign the citation, ma'am. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white, which is what you really want to be. You there you go, be dear. White. Have you, a good day. You want to be white. You want to be white? You want to be white? This woman's so awful. If she's a teacher, certainly she should be fired. Well, Michael, does that mean you're for cancel culture? Yep, I'm for canceling her. You bet. <laughs> because, by the way, just when some people throw this at conservatives and they say, well, now you support cancel culture. I have never said that people should not face consequences for what they do. I've simply said that the standards are wrong. <laughs> the old standards are better. <laughs> the traditionals, and by the way, just to even take it out of an historical framework, standards of virtue are good and standards of vice are bad. So yeah, the current cancel culture where you get canceled for saying true and good things, that's bad. The old cancel culture where you got canceled for being a communist, that's great. I love that. We need more of that. So I hope that that happens. I hope that this woman does not ever teach a student again, if she really is a teacher. But you hear it in her voice. She says, oh no, I'm just doing this because you're, you're trying to murder me and my son. No, you're, she's giddy. Well, she says it. She clearly doesn't realize that she's, that the cop is wearing a body camera. You know, the libs pushed for the body cameras on cops, I think because the very ignorant ones among them, the gullible ones among them believed that the cops really are just out there murdering people all the time. The body cameras are going to help the cops because they're going to show cynical women like this for what they are which is trying to get out of a ticket by making a horrific accusation. And then ironically, while she's invoking racism and racism and racism, what does she do at the end? She says, you're a Mexican. You're a dirty, rotten Mexican. You're not white. (laughs) What? But do you see what's beneath that? It's not enough to just say, see the left, they're the real racists. See, she's a racist. But what she's doing here is she is expressing her offense at the idea that this Mexican cop would not embrace primarily racial politics inside with her, I think she's black, over the white guy. The dig there is not, I hate Mexicans. The dig there is, you're supposed to be with me. Why are you not with me? We're supposed to team up regardless of the truth, regardless of justice. We're supposed to team up against whitey. So why are you taking whitey's side? You'll never be white. You just want to be white, right? That's what she's saying at the end of that. That view, how vicious, how despicable, how totally cynical where she's saying, forget that obviously she's been lying the whole time and and sort of gleefully so. But then to say, all right, you, all right, I'm going to tell you what this is really about. You're a Mexican. You're supposed to be on my side, but you're on the white guy's side. It's wrong. And of course the cop doesn't see it that way. The cop says, I'm on the side of justice (laughs) and you are violating the law. She said, I have every right to film you. Yeah, ma'am, but you don't. You're harassing me. I'm enforcing the law. That is a new hierarchy. That is race politics. And it is, and admit, that woman may as well admit directly that the notion of white supremacy is a farce. It's a joke. It's a joke to her. She just knows that the lie of white supremacy might help her get out of a speeding ticket or a, or a cell phone ticket rather. That's where we are. And you're not allowed to talk about that big lie. And conservatives don't totally get off the hook here either. Because 
while it is true that the notion of white supremacy or systemic anti-black racism or whatever, that is a complete canard. It's completely ridiculous. But conser- the, the reason it works is because conservatives are a little bit tone deaf on the racial issue. And the reason that they're a little bit tone deaf on the racial issue is because they've actually thrown away the great insights of conservatism. They've just embraced this kind of shallow, radical individualism that says, hey, every generation, the world is born anew. And I don't owe you anything and you don't owe me anything. But that's, that's actually not a very conservative insight. The conservative view of the world is history does matter. <laughs> Tradition does matter. We owe things to our posterity and to our ancestors. And when you want to make sure that you can uh, get the absolute best sense for your posterity and for your ancestors, you got to go check out Lightstream. If you care about the future, if you care about posterity, then probably you're going to need to think about ways to rearrange your debt. You don't want to saddle people with a lot of debt and you don't want to throw money at the window. If you're looking for a way to save some extra money, why not start by paying less interest on your credit card balances? Refinance with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. It's an easy way to save hundreds to thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit, lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR plus no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day that you apply. I have seen friends and family throw money out the window on high interest credit cards. Don't do it. It's just such a waste. Right now, just for my listeners, apply to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. Only way to get this is to go to lightstream.com slash Knowles, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Knowles. Subject to credit approval. Rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Knowles for more information. Tim Scott gave a slightly, you know, weak State of the Union response, but it was better than a lot of them. We will get to that in one second. First though, I want to uh, continue to include you in our future plans. Every day on my show, I talk about a lot of amazing products and services from our sponsors that I love and use. We want to get to know you better so that we can choose our sponsors with you in mind. So head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles, fill out my audience survey to tell us a little more about yourself to sweeten the whole experience. Those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card, but you can only take the survey once per Daily Wire show. So if you want to increase your chances of winning $1,000, go listen to Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clayton, or Matt Walsh to get access to their surveys as well. Dailywire.com slash Knowles. Also, if you haven't checked out Candace yet, you're missing out, especially considering that tonight, Candace premieres live for free and features a guest that needs no introduction. Donald Trump. They discuss everything from big tech censorship to what President Trump's future holds. And you are seriously going to figure out some interesting stuff. All right. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything. Plus Candace has a guest on today. In addition to that special guest that is really handsome, uh, really thoughtful, uh, really just awe inspiring. He will leave you speechless. Uh, catch it tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only at dailywire.com. If you haven't subscribed yet, you get 25% off with code Candace before the promotion ends on Thursday, May 6th. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Tim Scott gave an okay State of the Union response. It's, it's the worst job in American politics. And he was a little squishy on some points and he was, he was fine on others. And okay, it was, it was whatever. He then went on the news shows, the Sunday shows to develop his thesis because the, the State of the Union response didn't totally land. And I felt he made better points on the Sunday shows than he did even in that response. Tim Scott was asked about whether or not America really is racist. He had a an important line in that State of the Union response, he said, America is not a racist country. Well, what does that mean? Al Sharpton disagrees with you, Tim Scott. Defend yourself. The question is, is there a lingering effect after a couple of centuries of racism and discrimination in this nation? The answer is absolutely. The question we should be debating and fighting over is how do we resolve those issues going forward? One side says, I'm going to take from some to give to others. Fighting bigotry with bigotry is hypocrisy. It just doesn't work. 
The second, our side, what I've suggested is, let's expand opportunity and make sure that we are fully equipped for the challenges of the future. Okay, so a lot of this is just boilerplate. Look, there were problems in the past and now we've got to do better and we want to expand opportunity and the libs want to steal money from people. But he's making an important point here that a lot of conservatives don't want to hear. There is a lingering effect of slavery. Just as there is a lingering effect in the world of all sin, when you, when you commit any kind of sin, there is the eternal effect of that on your soul. <laughs> where, where are you going to go someday when you shake off this mortal coil? But there is also the temporal effect of sin. If you steal a candy bar, that is going to imperil your mortal soul, uh, your, your eternity, right? But that will also harm the shopkeeper that you stole it from. So you can go to confession and God can forgive you of, of stealing the candy bar. You've got to do some penance. You've got to make up for that because the, the temporal effects of that sin still remain. The same is true of slavery and, and of, of many other problems. Slavery is not the unique problem in American history. There are many other problems as well. Conservatives once understood that. Conservatives once understood that history matters. I think about it when I, I think of my own family's history in the United States. Half my family came over on the Mayflower, half the family came over on a sardine boat <laughs> from Italy, right? So you've got the, immig- the Irish and the Italian immigrants come over, but you've also got the English settlers who came over early and settled the country. That gives me a certain perspective on the history of this country. One feels a certain stake in the country if one's forebears helped to build it. One feels a certain responsibility, a certain sense of being at home. If my ancestors came over on slave ships, I would have a different view of the country. Now, I might still love the country. I might still go so far as as to say what some people have said, that they are glad that their ancestors were brought over on slave ships because it gave them the opportunity to live in America and they they didn't have to grow up in some awful country in Africa. You could even say that while still saying, my family's history in this country, my, my traditional relationship to this country is different than the people whose family came over on the Mayflower. And we have to deal with that. We have to recognize that the past affects the present and that will affect the future. In a way, I think when conservatives deny this, we're adopting a kind of progressive view of of politics, which says that the past doesn't matter at all. Forget about the past. Past is bad. Just ignore it. And we're just going to only look toward the future. Now, what, what the conservative insight here is, is that we want to take what is best from the past and conserve that. And we want to defer to the tradition, to the wisdom of the ages, to the democracy of the dead. We don't want to just trap ourselves in the the past. Nostalgia is history after a few drinks. But we also don't want to discard all of it and start toppling the statues and say, America is a terrible place. I think if conservatives can grapple with that, we will have a bit more credibility when we point out that people like Al Sharpton are just liars. They're just total race hustling liars. And that the idea that the cops are out there shooting innocent black people, it's just not true. It's just a complete lie. And I, th- I think if you, if you go far enough as to recognize people's legitimate sense of history and tradition, a deeply conservative impulse, then our arguments on where the country is right now and where it's going are going to be much, much more persuasive. Speaking of history, Speaking of American history, Rick Santorum is in trouble. Rick Santorum, former senator from Pennsylvania, former presidential candidate who got pretty far in the race. Now he goes on CNN sometimes. Poor guy, poor Rick. Uh, But very important politician, has very good things to say. He was speaking at a Young America's Foundation event and he mentioned that the history of the United States derives from the civilization of Europe. It derives from the West. It's in our DNA. You know, if you think of other countries like Italy and Greece and China and Turkey and places like that, they've all sort of changed over time. I mean, they've been, they've been there for, cent- for millennia in many cases. And their culture has sort of evolved over time. But not us. We came here and created a blank slate. We, we birthed a nation. From nothing. I mean, there's nothing here. I mean, yes, we have Native Americans, but, if, but candidly, that, that, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. It, it was born of the people who came here pursuing religious liberty to 
practice their faith, to live as they ought to live. Of course. Of course, this is true. Uh, our publicist, Jason Campbell over at Media Matters, <laughs> clipped this out as though this were some terrible thing. Everything he said there, totally, totally right. Uh, I, my only quibble with Rick here is he's not going qu- quite to the right enough. He's, I think he's being a little too conciliatory. But of course, the American culture that we have is not the culture of the Iroquois. Okay, it's not the culture of the Algonquin. It's not the culture of the Cherokee. The culture that we have in this country derives from the English. And then other immigrant groups come in and that, and there, look, there are, you know, people have dream catchers, right? So there, <laughs> there are these little sort of ornamentations of Native American culture. For a while, there was a movement to pretend that our American system of government derives from the, from the Iroquois or something like that in New York, which is just not true. It means the Iroquois had a kind of confederacy. It is not true. The Iroquois were a bellicose band of cannibal warriors. <laughs> Okay. These were really tough hombres and I, I have respect for them as I have respect for all sorts of different peoples, but we did not adopt the Iroquois system of government. We, our system of government comes primarily from the English, which is what Rick Santorum is saying. And that's true. So what on earth could we disagree with here? Well, Rick's CNN colleagues, they, they couldn't finish watching that video without without beginning to sputter, how dare you say that Europeans founded this country? No contrition, didn't talk about, you know, the suffering that Native Americans have had to deal with in this country. It was, I mean, Rick Santorum, really? Who, did he think, did he actually think it was a good idea for him to come on television and try to whitewash the whitewash that he whitewashed? I mean, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible and insulting, and I apologize to the viewers who were insulted by it because I was sitting in my office furious because he's done it so many times, so many times. And it's just, I'm sorry, it was just, it, it was so egregious and insulting, and everything that we talk about, about the founding of this country, Europeans did not found, found this country. It was here. The Native Americans had this country before the Europeans came. Yeah, the Europeans conquered the country. They colonized it, but they didn't, they, it, was, it had nothing to do with the founding of this country. What is Don Lemon even saying? I don't even know what he's trying to say. Because he's saying on the one hand, Europeans didn't found this country. George Washington was Mongolian. Come on, you know, John Adams, man, he was, he was Brazilian. Uh, no, I think they were just guys of European stock. Governor Bradford, You know, man, he was, where was he from? He was Russian. Uh, No, he wasn't. He was, uh, he was English. Uh, So he's saying on the one hand, Europeans didn't found this country when obviously they did. But then he says they conquered this country, but the Indians were here. Oh yeah, that's true. And by the way, it wasn't just an outright conquest that when, when the pilgrims came on the Mayflower, they actually formed a very mutually beneficial alliance with Massasoit and with his, his Indian tribe. And they actually allied together against other Indian tribes. And they actually grew that alliance for many years until Massasoit's son made a stupid political decision and launched King Philip's war. And by the way, some Indians allied with the settlers in King Philip's war even, but that destroyed the peace between the Indians and the settlers. And by the way, I'm, I'm not totally denying that the settlers learned something from the Indians around Plymouth Colony or, or from the Iroquois for that matter. I'm not denying that they, that they observed these people and saw some of their customs and that had some effect on American life. But the system of government, the culture of the United States comes from primarily England. How can anyone doubt that? Can you say therefore that Italy, man, Italians didn't found Italy. What are you talking? No, there were, there were peoples there before who were conquered. What about the Etruscans? Uh, yeah, okay, I guess, but they got, yeah, right. They got conquered. And then the country as we have it today is not, we're not living in the Cherokee nation. We're not living in the Massachusetts. We took the name for one of our states, but we're not living in the Massachusetts tribe, the Wampanoag tribe. We're not living in the Iroquois Confederacy. We're living in America, which is an Italian word from Amerigo Vespucci, the Italian, right? We are, we have our capital in the district of Columbia comes from uh, Columbus another Italian guy, by the way, we, the district of Columbia is in Washington, Washington of Anglo stock. Yeah, of course it's a European country. He's, he's not, obviously the, the historical points he's making are very stupid, but 
what he's doing here is not even arguing about historical points because he doesn't know very much about them. He's doing what Hannah Nicole Jones did, or Nicole Hannah Jones rather, the 1619 Project girl in the New York Times. He is trying to reframe the history. What he, instead of disagreeing with Rick Santorum on the point of who founded America, he's disagreeing on the value of that. Is it good or is it bad? Rick Santorum is saying, yeah, this is a good country. Here's who founded it, and this is a good country. And what Don Lemon is saying is, no, here's how, here's who founded it. Sure, I guess, Rick, you're right, but it's a bad country because it was founded on conquest, you know, like every other country in the history of the world. That is a big lie because it is a good country. And the, the peoples that were populating this country before the settlers arrived were by any standard of virtue, not, not living in some Edenic paradise. They weren't living in the avatar world. And then the awful mean Europeans came in and destroyed it. No, the, the people who came to the United States, to America, civilized this place, brought the light of God, (laughs) their religion, brought civilization to this place. And because it's a fallen world, there were acts of sin. There were sins committed. There was violence. There was injury. There were bad things go along, just like there were bad things going on in the Iroquois Confederacy, just like there were bad things going on down south in the Aztecs who were ripping out human hearts by 80,000 at a clip in human sacrifices. Yeah, there were bad things going on, but it was a good thing that the country was founded. That's a reframing. You know, Rick Santorum is quite Catholic. This informs his view of the world. He's an actual Catholic. We have a president now who is a fake Catholic. His name is Joe Biden. But the Washington Post doesn't want to admit that. So Joe Biden is in hot water right now because Joe Biden is in, in outright obstinance against the church's teaching on the issue of abortion. And the issue of abortion is not like other issues. St. Pope John Paul II pointed this out. It's not just one issue among many. The right to life is a prerequisite for all of the other rights one may not disagree. Like Pope Benedict, for instance, said that Catholics may have a legitimate disagreement about the death penalty. Pope John Paul II said the same thing. Doctors of the church have explicitly defended the death penalty. Blessed Pope Pius IX carried out many death penalties. And so Catholics can disagree on that as a prudential matter. Catholics cannot disagree on abortion. And Joe Biden does. And he celebrates abortion. and He expands the killing of innocent little babies in this country. So the bishops, finally, I'm so pleased to say this, the bishops are standing up and saying, we're going to have to deal with Joe Biden here. And here's how it was presented in the Washington Post. A rising group of right-wing U.S. Catholic bishops is colliding with a very Catholic president who supports abortion rights. Right-wing group of bishops colliding with a very Catholic president. Everything about this is untrue. Everything about this is a lie, a very big lie, actually. It is not right-wing bishops who are doing this. It is bishops who believe in the Catholic faith, who believe in the teaching of the church. It is just bishops. You just say bishops, and they're not colliding on this issue of morals and faith. It's It's not like, well, you got the president on one hand, and you got the bishops on the other. That's not how the Catholic church works. The bishops are bringing the president who is a member of their flock into line. They're not on equal footing here. The bishops are reprimanding or showing that they may reprimand the president. And the very Catholic, he's not particularly Catholic at all. He goes to mass. He apparently receives communion, which is eating his own damnation to use the scriptural line and and the teaching of the church. And the bishops, in an act of compassion, are suggesting telling him to not receive the Eucharist until he stops living in the state of scandal and sin and changes his views and goes to confession. An exact flip here, but we are told he's a very Catholic president because it is, on the one hand, we're told it's very bad to be Catholic, right? Dianne Feinstein yells at Amy Coney Barrett, who is the dogma lives loudly within her, the Catholic dogma. We're told it's very bad to be Catholic, but then Joe Biden is very Catholic. But the reason that the left says that Joe Biden's very Catholic in this admiring way is because they know Joe Biden's not very Catholic, that his real religion is progressivism. Joe Biden is not the only professed Catholic in politics who is in trouble for violating basic teachings of the church. Nancy Pelosi, 
other prominent Democrats in trouble too. Archbishop Salvatore Cordileone is uh, now put out a pastoral letter and not calling out Nancy Pelosi by name, but he is the archbishop in Pelosi's area. And he is saying that politicians who are in violation of the church's teaching here need to stop receiving Holy Communion. He writes, your Catholic, and he's, he's being very complimentary in this. He's being very diplomatic. He says, your Catholic ideals inspire you in your work to help those who experience discrimination, violence, and injustice. And you deserve the gratitude of your fellow Catholics and our nation for this service. But we cannot empower the weak by crushing the weakest. If you find that you are unwilling or unable to abandon your advocacy for abortion, you should not come forward to receive Holy Communion. To publicly affirm the Catholic faith while at the same time publicly rejecting one of its most fundamental teachings is simply dishonest. It makes them all a bunch of big liars. That's what it does. And it is not just, this is not just a pure act of punishment designed to harm Biden or Pelosi. It's quite the opposite, actually. It's designed to help them. It is an act of compassion and mercy to tell them to stop receiving Holy Communion and to tell them to get their act in order. Because the more that they persist in the scandal, the greater damage they will do to the society, to the faithful, and to themselves. Pelosi and Biden, while professing their faith from time to time in Catholicism, have a different religion. That is the religion of progressivism. And they might practice both in this kind of weird syncretic way where Biden goes to mass, right? But he doesn't live the faith, even basically. We all stumble, but he stumbles obstinately in scandal, refuses to even acknowledge the teachings of the church. The White House has the temerity to say, yes, the president disagrees with the church on abortion, on the definition of marriage, on this, on, oh, he disagrees with the church, as though that's some casual thing. If you're a Catholic, if you really believe in the Catholic faith, that's not a casual thing, but they don't. When their syncretic religion, their Catholicism and the progressivism, when they come into conflict, guess which religion wins? It's the progressivism. And that is our state church. That is our dominant church. And the high priest of it, I mentioned this during a speech at the Young Americans Foundation a month or so ago. Their high priest is Anthony Fauci, who instead of the pectoral cross wears a stethoscope and instead of the cassock wears a white lab coat. Well, John Oliver is very upset. You know, John Oliver, that marginal, I couldn't, I couldn't even say he's marginally funny. John Oliver, who is a British guy who scolds Americans about our system of government. He's very upset because Joe Rogan the other day, using common sense, said that if young people are looking at their risk of the, uh, of contracting or having serious complications from the coronavirus, then they probably don't need to be too worried about it, particularly when they're making decisions on the vaccine. That's all he said. Perfectly ordinary, makes perfect sense. John Oliver, absolutely furious. How dare you listen to Joe Rogan? The reason we still see mask and distancing recommendations is that the CDC is being cautious and wants to be sure that it is not spreading bullshit around during a global pandemic like a frozen dinner duke with a TV show. Stop listening to what Joe Rogan tells you. He's a moron. And those are his words, not mine. Yeah, stop, stop listening uh, to, I don't know, I guess he's, he's become like kind of cockney. Stop listening. Yeah, well now listen here, you. Uh, don't listen to Joe Rogan because you need to listen to John Oliver. Does that make sense to you? No, I don't think that makes much sense at all. Why on earth? Joe Rogan is much smarter than John Oliver. <laughs> I ain't saying that Joe Rogan is, uh, you know, necessarily a Rhodes Scholar or something, or that he's in the academy, or that he's a scientist or a scholar. I'm just saying he's definitely smarter than John Oliver. John Oliver has never made an interesting point ever that I have watched. And he's very rarely made even a slightly funny point. His, his entire brand of comedy is just saying otherwise unfunny lines loudly with profanity interlaced. But that is, it's such a crutch in comedy. You'll notice that the best comedians don't need to do that. I'm thinking of, sometimes they do. I'm not saying the best comedians are totally clean. They might use profanity, but they don't rely on the profanity, right? The joke is the joke and maybe the profanity embellishes it or something. But with John Oliver, he doesn't have a joke really. He's got these kind of weak liners. Samantha Bee, who's another Daily Show alumna, she, she does the same thing. She just says things loudly and with profanity as if that makes a joke, but it doesn't. So why are we listening to John Oliver? Well, because John Oliver is parroting what the CDC says. So if you're parroting what the CDC says, that, that makes you really smart. That makes you really trustworthy. 
because Fauci and the CDC, they're infallible. They've contradicted themselves many times over the last year on this very issue of coronavirus. Fauci comes out, he says, do not wear the mask ever. Don't wear it. It's stupid and dumb. I'm paraphrasing, but only slightly. Then a few weeks later, he says, you have to wear the mask. And then when he was asked, well, why did you change your mind? What did he say? He said, well, because I wanted the nurses to have masks and not you idiot peasants. So, but now you can wear them. Listen to me and you can believe me because I would never lie to you except what I just said. <laughs> Again, paraphrasing, but only slightly. I, to me, Fauci and all these guys have basically zero credibility left. And anybody who takes them seriously, like John Oliver, has very little credibility. And Joe Rogan has much more credibility because at least he thinks for himself on many occasions. But if you're, a, if you're an adherent to that progressive faith, then that's the way it goes. You know, you know where this progressive faith really exposes itself? In this gender issue. A woman just went viral on TikTok because her six-year-old daughter said that she thinks she looks like a boy. Are you a boy or are you a girl? So the caption here is, my six-year-old daughter asks me if I think she looks like a boy. I asked her, do you want to look like a boy? Her response left me speechless. <laughs> Does it count? If, yeah, okay, it counts. That's fine. It's available now for pre-order, by the way, my upcoming book. The, the subtitle is Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. This woman has left me somewhat speechless. I'll regain my speech and then give my thoughts on her. This constitutes child abuse. But this woman might not even know what she's doing. She might really buy into this idea that little children ha have the ability to freely consent to major sexual decisions, which is preposterous, but you might have the idea that little children know more about reality than adults do. Maybe they know more than this adult woman does. And she, she might really believe that our, who we really are has nothing to do with our physical bodies, but that is wrong. That's a different religion. That is a big fat lie. And as long as we've got Republicans who have all their guns, they're all their rhetorical guns trained on other Republicans defending these absolutely absurd lies on the left, much bigger lies than anything the right's been telling then those people are no use to the conservative movement. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, a juror in the Derek Chauvin trial turns out to have been a Black Lives Matter activist. Who could have predicted such a thing? That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm -hmm.